Welcome to Hello Easton PA. I'm your host, Mark Nutting. I'm the owner of Jiva Fitness, an author, business consultant, former actor, dancer, martial artist, superhero, musician, and I love to connect with others. This podcast is a way for me to share the stories of the people I meet in my adopted hometown of Easton, Pennsylvania. Hi, this is Mark Nutting, and welcome. Today I'm with Jeremy Joseph. And Jeremy is a little bit out of my normal uh, pattern here. I've been interviewing Eastern business owners, and Jeremy's not really an Eastern business owner. Uh, he has a job that he works at, but he is the founder of Big Easy Eastern Brass and other things that we'll get into. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. How are you, Mark? Good. How are you? I'm well. Good. We've known each other for a while now, and actually, I, I, we, you were doing improv with me at Colonial yeah. before you actually started uh, Beeb, Big Easy Easton Brass, uh, but you d- told me about the idea, and I'm going to get this thing together. Tell me about it. Well, the Big Easy Easton Brass is a community band open to all ages and skill levels uh, that brings New Orleans-style second-line parades to the Lehigh Valley, and a second-line parade is a New Orleans tradition that goes back to jazz funerals, where the first line is the brass band, the second line is the congregation walking with the band. And they play really sad music on the way to bury the body. And then on the way back, they play very happy music to celebrate the life. And this turned into birthdays and wedding celebrations that this kind of music flourished. And ever since Katrina, there's been a resurgence in New Orleans music with a lot of those performers coming out to perform out in America. Uh, Trombone Shorty was at Music Fest the year I started the beep and, you know, so that influence was really coming out of, of new Orleans. And, uh, so yeah, so the big easy some brass, uh, is, uh, we hope a a very welcoming environment for musicians of all ages and type. The, um, starting of this, what, what, I mean, you said trombone shorty was playing it at, uh, music fest, but how does that translate for you into, I want to start this? And this will be a good thing for Easton. So I'm not sure which part I want to tell at at which point we get (laughs) into it. I'll tell the the exact genesis of the band. The exact genesis of the band is, uh, you know, wanting to get back into playing the trumpet again after 15 years and looking for music that would feature the trumpet, that the trumpet would be the center of, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a lot of popular music when people think about the trumpet you're going to think about chicago possibly because that had a lot of horns and that was one of the last bands herb alpert herb alpert okay if you know you know chuck me and joan and and some of them but you know so you know when i heard the rebirth brass band which trombone shorty was a member of yeah doing a second line parade in new orleans playing this more modern new orleans type of music like songs we play like let's go get them do what you want to I was just blown away um, by the whole thing, you know, yeah. that this small brass band and the trumpet was very much a big voice in it. It wasn't like there's a guitar player and his vocalist. It's the trumpet voice. And what they were doing in that community in that video, just hundreds of people walking with this brass band. I just I saw it as something that definitely would fit into what's going on with Easton's, uh, you know, uh, renaissance, I guess, you yeah. know, so it seemed to be a perfect fit. I, I really felt that I could bring that to Easton. And I just got lucky in the sense that I found just the minimum number of players I think we needed to get that first rehearsal kicked off. And it it was through searching on Facebook. Uh, the first person to answer a call was Art Charlton. He answered, uh, I 
messaged him over Facebook asking if he knew anybody that'd be interested. And he was Steve Nalvanko, who lives in Bethlehem. He uh, answered a Craigslist ad I had out there and he's a drummer. So I had a drummer, trombone player. We had another drummer and uh, Jen Dennis and Ken Gross. So that first rehearsal, we just had just what we needed to believe that it could become something. And then every rehearsal after that, people just through word of mouth and, you know, knowing other musicians, the band just doubled every rehearsal to the point then where we were, we were ready to walk down the street. Now it's five years ago. I was, I was just about to ask how yeah. long it's really been. Yeah, it was February of 2018 was the first rehearsal. The first performance, I believe it was either June or July of 2018. And we marched from the community center down the two rivers. And uh, it was a big deal. It was only three blocks <laughs> at yep, the time, yeah, but yeah. it was a big deal. We made it down and uh, and it kicked it off. And ever since then, I mean, we I think we still have majority of the people that were in that first parade are still active in the band. And uh, the last five years have been quite a ride for the Big Easy. How many to people brass. do you have now that, that regularly participate? On, on the roster, there's 30 to 50 people that'll participate anytime from one to multiple times in a year. Say at any given show, you're going to see about 15 to 20 of us um, that, that are usually at any show. Some yeah. shows are bigger, yeah. you know, but you're going to average about those numbers. Yeah. Have you ever organized something like this before? Yes, I, I've organized bands in my 20s. Um, I had a swing band when swing music got popular. That movie Swingers came out and I was at Penn State and put together this kind of like variety show almost where I had swing dancers from the dance school. Uh, we did some audience participation and uh, that was great. Uh, did a Dave Matthews cover band back in college. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, we had some experience with smaller bands, um, but certainly the Big Easy is something different. <laughs> well, true. and let's talk about the scope of this. I mean, you started off uh, making events, you know, or saying I'm, we're going to do this now. I'm, I'm assuming, and then starting to co coordinate with existing events, and and you were, you know, the Beeb is really at every event there is in Easton. I mean, you know, almost all. I mean, you know, you're making an appearance at everything. Well, we we answer the call if yeah. if you know Mayor Panto or uh, Main Street Initiative, West Ward Community Initiative. You know, a lot of these organizations when they're putting on events. They know that, you know, we'll show up for the community. Yeah. And when it's for the community, we don't ask for anything. Yeah. You know, when it's for other organizations that are making money, we do charge. And, you know, we want to make a good experience for our members. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, we, we are very happy to be part of, you know, the culture and tradition in Easton. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's certainly, you've changed it. You've changed the, the tradition and the culture. I mean, it wasn't something that happened prior to this. And now it is... Uh, it, an integral part of well, events. I'll, I'll connect us back to our history and a little bit more about my history is I'm from the Lebanese community and my whole life, I would hear my dad talk about Fourth street and when the Lebanese community was there and those neighborhoods were knocked down with urban renewal. And you can learn more and more about this. Um, I did uh, a talk at connections on Tim Hare uh, mm -hmm. explaining what he uncovered about urban renewal and how he stopped the destruction of downtown. But for me, my grandfather, um, my, my father, where they grew up, that's just gone. It's not there. And the one memory my dad would talk about all the time was when the Italian band would come down the street playing number nine. Oh, that's not the wow. name of the song. It's just the ninth song in her portfolio. The song's Caderna. 
but yeah. they'd play the Lebanese community would go crazy for that band when they'd come down through the street. Yeah. So in my mind, I always had that image in my head of an Easton that had these parade bands that brought the community together. Huh. And so I guess when that merged with the rebirth brass band and I'm seeing that, you know, th those are the two things that really fused to say, yeah. okay, this, this is part of Easton's history in a way too. Yeah. What do you feel about the success of this? I mean, you're still growing. I mean, I have a client right now who's got a, got a meeting with you later about how he can fit into the band. Hmm. So, you know, tell me, tell me your feelings. Um, you know, I got to explain that this comes from failure. You yeah. know, that um, in my 20s, I tried to be a professional musician. I left college with 26 credits left and went for it yeah and we kept it going for a good four or five years and and then it crashed and burned i lost everything yeah and then i didn't play my horn again for 15 years after that hmm. um so you know there there's like this you know in my mind i'm still a failure musically <laughs> so the success of the beeb is 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 great but it's a different thing than musical success it's more i think more community success um, but musically we keep getting better and better too, because we keep getting these musicians that are either professionals or former professionals that just love what we're doing and jump in. So, I mean, yeah. musicianship wise, we're, 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 we've gotten so much better than year one. Um, it's hard to reflect on it, Mark. It's weird. It's weird to be asked that. <laughs> um, well, yeah. in, in, and, and it's interesting to hear you talk about failure and how that you still feel that. And, you know, that's, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, it, it is, you know, you, you aren't accepting the fact that people believe, you know, you've done this thing and you're that good. But I mean, I, I talked to you after not hearing you, I don't know, it, 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 a couple of years it might have been. Uh, when uh, we rolled into Lafayette. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, you came in and you played and I go, you really got so much better. Uh, so, I mean, your mus musicianship is, is tremendous. Yeah. I got to uh, give Ken Gross a, a credit for the mouthpiece he showed me. He, he introduced me to a new mouthpiece oh, yeah. that put like five more notes on my upper register right. and just made me a demon, like yeah. uh, in, in my eyes, like for, you know, compared to myself, me against me kind of thing. But I could never play a double G before. Now I can wail a double G and it feels, that feels really good. Yeah. So yeah, musically there's been, you know, this influence from different members of the band coming in that we've helped make each other better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't downplay that aspect of being a success musician wise. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, I particularly, you know, I, you've, I've told you this and you have been after me since then, but, uh, I talk about being a musician. Well, I, I was a trumpet player. Yeah, I know. You know? It hurts. I mean, it hurts. You don't get up. You know, the ex-president of the band, you know, first <laughs> trumpet, all, you know, played in stage bands, played in, you know, a, a whole bunch of different things. Um, but then, you know, of course, for me, it's been longer than 15 years. It's been, you know, I won't say how long it's been. But, you know, I do understand, you know, the, the mechanics of that. And, and uh, I really do appreciate how you've, how you've grown and oh, how, how good you've that. become. Uh, but this, okay, so so Beeb, um, you you're more than that though. I mean, COVID hit, and you tell me about Brick Easton. Brick Easton happens by accident, and it's a beautiful accident. It's it's going into that first winter after COVID, and the band can't play. We can't practice. We did the best we could the summer before, playing outside and keeping distant, and you know trying to keep everybody safe and. 
And so going into that winter, I'm like, I don't want to lose this band. I don't want to lose mm -hmm. this kind of family we've created. And I want to try to keep us talking and keep us engaged. And I just was searching for some kind of way to do that. And I had no idea how it hit me, but you know, we're characters, everybody, they dress up, we dress up in elaborate costumes, yeah. some people, you know, more than others, but everybody, you know, has kind of a style about them. And it hit me to start making customized Lego minifigures of the band hmm. of every member. So yeah. I set out to make every band member into a Lego. And every week, I would just post two new ones. Yeah. You know, the picture was the reference picture with the, the Lego and um, the band just was loving it. It was like it was just keeping us going. Right. Through the winter. It just connection. kept this momentum into yeah. the winter um, up until uh, the holidays there that kept us just, you know, keeping that family feeling. And then, you know, I turned around at one point and I've got like 30 Lego minifigures. I got the full band. Yeah. And I'm like, what do I do with like, what do I do with this? You know, and I'm like. I saw a Harry Potter Lego set. Oh yeah. And it has yeah. a green turret on a castle and it hit me. I said, that could be the turret for two rivers. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, then I like saw the facade of two rivers in Lego with the band out in front of it. Cause that's where we, we had done our Mardi Gras parades. And, um, so that's, that's kind of like, Oh, that was the first image of like, let me do, let me do this scene. And then at one point, you know, I, turned two rivers around and I said, well, what's going on inside? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the first level I'm looking down there and I'm like, well, at the time it was Jeremy Bialker. I see Jeremy, you know, as the head chef there. And I see um, Mike Roy and Carter Lansing, uh, the bastard sons playing, you know, a set right. in yeah. the bar. Right. And um, so I'm like, I could build that, you know, and then I'm up on the second level and I'm like, well, what's there, what's going on there. And then I'm thinking about DJ Brad and the tea party. And I'm like, yeah. That would be amazing if I could take that whole scene and make it into there. And then uh, and, and then when it just went up from there, the third level was an homage to Two Rivers Past, where there's like a gangster scene with a cop uh, trying to arrest a, a prostitute and um, a bootlegger. And then at the very top is, is a ghost on the fourth floor. But that was the very first one that kind of set the design for what Brick Easton could be real people in real places that mm -hmm. are set in Easton and all those yeah. good feelings that I saw with the band becoming Lego minifigures. I'm like, now I'm going to bring that up and we can bring that to the city level now. And let me see if I can make, you know, have the city feel that throughout the pandemic. And then after that came the the monument doing the monument. And that's what got ugh, on TV right away. Like when, when yeah. I posted the monument was the first thing I posted. Um, and uh, yeah, and then it just kind of took off from there, you know, got a lot of exposure and then I just kept building. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're got, a Lego. Got, got around to Jeeva. You're a Lego. Uh, yeah. yeah. You were in season, season one of Brick Easton. Jeeva was featured. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, at, at what point did you, are you, you're not still doing Brick Easton? Well, no, Brick. Uh, brick I, mean, I know some of them are on display, but. Yeah, the, the display is at Bob Freeman's office in the 200 block on Northampton Street. But, um, I'm just taking my time doing them and I'll give you an exclusive on your podcast. I will say what I'm working on, which I normally don't say because I want to make sure I can finish it and it right. looks good. Yeah. But I am working on Porter's pub and I'm going to start working on the nurture nature center. Oh, super. If I can, if I can possibly do it, they're yeah. monster builds. Nurture nature is going to be a monster build to pull off, but um, I think it'd be really cool uh, to do it. You so, heard it here first. You heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm working on. 
Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's you know, so it's, it's just a great reliever. It's it's a great meditative stress reliever um, to just bring those in, and you know, I think they make people happy. So it's, oh, I, I, it's, I, it's worth it's, doing. It still makes me smile. Yeah, yeah. you know, seeing Jiva, that, that that's hilarious. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's it's just wonderful. You know, it yeah. it just make it does. It's one of those things that just make you smile. Yeah. Uh, were you a Lego person beforehand? No, no, I wasn't. And I mean, you know, you kind of wonder how I tell this story. Like it's in my mind, I had this chronological order of what my story is and I'm kind of telling it all out of order. But, uh, the part I would want to tell though, is why, why all this Easton stuff, you know, like Biggie's Easton brass and then brick Easton and, and we're not you know, done. Yeah, um, more. and then there's some other things I'll talk about the saving the state theater documentary and the drum line. Um, but it's, I really credit my wife. You know, my wife, Nadine Shandor, she's uh, she's a therapist, so I married the help that I need. I'm getting the help that I need. Well, thank goodness. Um, but no, <laughs> yeah. she she specializes in trauma therapy called EMDR, which I'm going to try to say this. Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing mm-hmm. is what it's called. And it is a cutting-edge trauma therapy. Um, so look her up, Nadine Shandor, because she's just amazing at what she does. Um, and what she really helped me do and this is probably going back seven, eight, eight, nine years ago now of I would be waking up and have all this energy and not know where I want to put it. I have all this creative energy. I don't have an outlet. I'm mad about things in the world. I'm trying to do things that would maybe change something on a big level. I have all this ambition that just it, it can't it can't go anywhere. It's all over the place. And she really helped me to look down like look at my feet and look at where we are. Mm-hmm. And just instead of trying to do something on like a national level or make a splash on online on a global level, like look at just our hometown or just look down. And that changed everything. I mean, that's yeah. where I start uh, volunteering at ACE and making videos. I went on the art tour and I videoed every artist on the art tour yeah. and then overlaid their contact information and location and made like an art tour video. And I did that for three years uh, of the art tours at Ace, got to know a lot of the artists in the town, um, just started to try to put my skills wherever I could uh, to, to become something more um, focused locally, you know? And so this is before the B, Brick East to anything else. So yeah. all this stuff is more like a focus change that, you know, I do I credit my wife with. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, a couple other projects you were talking about, uh, State Theater? Yeah. Um, well, the Saving the State Theater documentary, um, I got to sit down with three of the friends of the State Theater who were the original board that helped really save the theater, put together the plan and get the donations in and organize everything. And so um, they really got to tell a whole part of that story that nobody really knew or didn't understand or didn't understand how much went into it. And um, this was because I make a Lego model of the State Theater and uh, Tony Mittman comes to that and sees the Lego model and starts telling me the story about it. And I'm just enamored with how the whole community came together to save this theater, Yeah. right? And so, you know, I was just expecting to make something that went on YouTube, you know, just, you know, something on the side. Let me pull this together. Right. I'm interested in Easton's history. But then when we got done, it, it really just it was a, really kind of a powerful little piece. You know, it's just 30 minutes, but it really it has something to it that's a little different. So um, I was lucky enough to we premiered it at the Siegel Museum. We had a nice packed house. It was great showing. 
I don't know where I'm going to go yet with with showing it. Um, I have it submitted to some local film festivals, just waiting to see if it gets in. Um, I, I don't know. It'll have a life of its own, and it's kind of timeless because it's capturing a piece of history. So sure. I'm yeah. being very patient with when I show that again. But this is the first in what I think could be um, a whole series about Easton's history I'm interested in doing. So let me pitch you this idea and anybody out there. Yeah. But I envision a, a series of episodes about Easton's history, each one starting in the Easton Cemetery with someone buried there huh. and telling their story and then springboarding into that era, that time. OK, here's here's the, the catch or, or, you know, something that I think could be really special about this. The Prohibition one, for example, when we go to talk about Easton during Prohibition, I want to film a smart person, possibly, you know, uh, Howie from Siegel Museum just did a great presentation on this, Um, you know, film him talking about it. But then I want to film reenactments of the scenes with real like Easton characters. You know, Um, I know my own Beeb Queen, Jen Whitlock, I would love to be Moetta, you know, Um, But I think it could be really, really cool if we could make movies about Easton's history, having Easton people play these historical characters and then have a a film premiere here in Easton, you know, about Easton's history with Easton's people in it. So that's that's that track is I hope I can nurture that and kind of build build that project and and move that forward. No, that's great. So we'll see. Get dressed up. Go to Two Rivers, right, it, and, and dress up and have a prohibition party there. Um, you know, Moeta was at the Pomfret Club. I mean, there's still places that exist today that, you know, yeah. still still have that look. Yeah. Um, so we'll see someday. Yeah, sounds yeah. great. The drum line. The drum line. The drum line has, has been like, before the pandemic, I came up, I just saw it. I see these things and I'm trying to learn what I can do and what I can't do. Um, but this thing just would not go away seeing this, this drumline idea. Um, it's just more than music to me uh, about what this can offer. So to try to sell it quickly, what I, it's about our, our own us versus them and our own tribalism. You know, we're just naturally wired for us versus them and have this tribalist nature to us in red team, blue team. But the science on this will say there's nothing inherently that defines that, you know, we, what the in group is, it could be defined by a lot of things, you know, it could be your religion or your race, it could be a football team you're with, it could be just the gym class at Jiva Fitness that you feel connected to in a community, Mm -hmm. right? That could be your us. So the idea is to take Easton parks, and make them the center of something make that Easton park uh, have its own drum line with kids that are from that neighborhood that are within a two to three, four block radius of that park and uh, kind of create that at different parks and create a drum line competition that five, 10 years from now, we can march them all in the Cottingham Stadium and have this nice little drum line festival. Um, but there's a lot more to what what you can do with this in the sense that the onboarding or finding kids that have talent that they don't even know with drums, it's, it's an easier, there's a, a less of a barrier of entry mm-hmm. to hand you some drumsticks right. and teach you a couple rudiments and get some rhythm going and be able to play music. Right. And drumming is primal. Like it goes, it's, it's in us, you know? So it's, there's something about this that I think can really build community 
And it's not just about the music, but it's about, you know, how the community in that two to three block radius around that park embraces that drumline night. Now, that's the vid, that's the total vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baby steps sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. are um, talking to Paxinos Elementary School music teachers, and, and they're very interested in trying to help develop the idea for an after school program. Uh, through the elementary school in the West Ward, I'm going to buy a full drumline set for the kids. And I'm going to try to start one drumline in the West Ward with kids made up from from the Paxinos Elementary. If I can pull that off and just get one, I think I can show everybody how exciting it is, how much the kids love it, all the opportunities to take their drumline rehearsals at the parks and make it an event, you know, have the community group set up tables, have a church come bring water, get a local business to sponsor the kids, pay for their T-shirt, get an artist to make a logo for them, you know, at at the park, have that logo be put on the park somewhere. You know, it's the same thing that gets people revved up about basketball and football and these other things, but with music. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to pause every once in a while because I could just... Well, <laughs> go on and on about well, what I'm I mean, it's, about. it's interesting to hear you go on and on. It, you know, the the thing ties all this together is community. Mm. And, you know, you have a very strong sense of or some strong drive to create community uh, and have succeeded with, you know, with certainly with Beeb and, and other aspects. Let's go to you. How do, how do, why do you think you have this drive? Well, I know that you, Nadine... You said Nadine had you look more locally, but it, but obviously the sense of community is important to you. Um, how'd that come about? Do you, do you have any idea? You know, I think one of the early things I noticed was, um, well, and I won't go back too far, just oh, go in recent history, at least, you know, Nadine and I would go downtown the Easton and from the parking garage to the restaurant. We wouldn't know anybody. We'd have our meal. We wouldn't know anybody. And then we'd go back to our car and leave. Mm-hmm. And that was our Easton experience, right? Yeah. And um, when we started getting involved, when I started getting involved, um, I give Anthony at Connections a lot of credit. You know, Anthony was, you know, a gateway into this Easton culture And through the art openings at Connections and the open mics that he had there and a lot of other events, uh, we, you know, that was like a gateway into getting to know so many people in Easton and just feeling a part of, uh, you know, the community, Mm -hmm. you know, and then when you're a part of a community like that and you see people contributing in different ways and, you know, you start thinking about how you can contribute as well, you know. And so for me, that failure in my early 20s (laughs) was so crushing that um i mean it it took a while for me to want to do art again or play my trumpet or try to like uh do something creative so um you know i guess it it just as i kind of got more stable in my life um as nadine helped me get more focused locally and i started to get this feeling of wanting to be creative again um that just is kind of what all comes together to start producing the band and brick easton there is a crossword puzzle I did. There is an Easton crossword puzzle for sale. That you created. That I created at Siegel Museum. Okay. And on the back are QR codes, the videos that really give you the answers. But um, it's a way to get to know Easton's places, traditions, history, and do a crossword too. So that's the other thing. Okay. But yeah, that Easton branding being threaded through like everything I'm doing. I just call yeah. it hyper-local is what I call it, that focus. Yeah. Yeah. And you are from Easton. 
I grew up ninth and Northampton Street. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 Born and raised in Easton. I, I had some time that I, I left and went to California for a little, Philly for a little, but and then came back. Um, but yeah, born and raised uh, ninth and Northampton Street, graduated Easton High School in 95. What have we missed with Jeremy, well, Jeremy I, Joseph's life? I guess, you know, to fill in a little bit of, uh, of about what I do for a living. Um, so, you know, when that failure happens, losing the band, <laughs> I end up going into a customer service job at Verizon and they have a tuition assistance program. I use that to get the 26 credits done and finally get my degree. And I've been at Verizon for 19 years wow. and I've been promoted, I'd say 10 different times throughout that 19 years and crawled my way out of a, a, what was a really what, when I look back to it, I was in such a hole financially, you know, just in every way, um, you know, I had lost everything. And so I had this saying at the time that was first deserve, then desire. And that's kind of what pulled me out of this hole was to just keep like trying to earn the right to have a good life. And mm. every day it was a fight. It was a fight to get promoted, to work hard, to just try to climb out of the bad situation I was in. So you know, I know uh, when I'm walking around, there's a lot of like, oh, it must be really cool. You're, you know, in front of this band with 300 people and the Lego and this and that. I'm still trying to shake off that failure from right. like 20 years ago. I'm still, it's still on me, you know? And so what's the drive for community? What's the drive for all these things? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to live up to a potential I once believed I had and didn't fulfill. Hmm. And it hurts. Yeah, <laughs> It hurts. So yeah, there's a little angst. People that know me know that the band would laugh at all that. You know, the Beeb's laughing right now. Like, yeah, we know he's too anxious. Um, yeah. There's something left undone. It's right. not done yet. You know, yeah. so it's, yeah. it's, it leaves this, this wanting mm -hmm. to, um, to fulfill something, you know, to, to, and, and my wife would kill me right now for talking like this. She's going to kill me when she listens to this, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so it's, it's, it's more just, um, I think what's good about it is, it, it definitely humbled me. Mm -hmm. I needed to learn some lessons. When I look back now, I can see everything I did wrong. Yeah. I understand why I failed. I try not to do that again. And it, you know, in that sense, that's all helped make, I think the big easy be successful is all those lessons of how I messed things up in the past are right. definitely coming to bear with this band and yeah. keeping this band together, which one of them is staying as big as possible so if any one person leaves, the band does not dissolve. <laughs> so sure. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the biggest things with it. Well, that's great. Well, Jeremy, you have quite a, quite a story here. So uh, I want to thank you for spending some time with me and, and allowing me to pick your brain a little bit and find out more about all the projects you got going. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Come join the Beeb. <laughs> Check out Brick Easton. Look for some movies coming. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to Hello Easton PA. This is Mark Nutting, hoping that you'll stop by again to find out more about your fellow Estonians. Have a great day.